Hello and welcome to my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick and I'm just still reeling from having seen the new Star Wars Episode 9 trailer. It was premiered at the D23 Expo in Anaheim. And of course, I had to record a reaction video, so we'll talk about it in this show and about way more than that. This episode is brought to you thanks to my patrons over at patreon.com slash fatheroderick. I thank them with all my heart for all their support. Without them, I wouldn't be able to do this work. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. They said Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. So that's Star Wars trailer. I'm not even sure if this is technically a trailer. Uh, Disney and Lucasfilm have posted it as a, a special special footage or something like that, or special reel. Um, but it is. it looks like a trailer. It feels like a trailer. Um, so we get to see a lot of the uh, the images from previous uh, episodes in the Star Wars saga and the Skywalker saga, and then it shows us new footage from Episode Nine, and I was blown away, like almost anyone else who has seen it, um, and and some pretty shocking stuff in that trailer as well. Um, there are uh, tons of ideas that I have, speculation, plot ideas. But on the other hand, I think the trailer did a very good job in kind of uh, obfuscating what is truly going on and what we will see. And as usual, once you've seen the movie, you realize that the trailer showed you almost nothing. So, but it was it was a really really great experience, and we've been waiting such a long time to see new stuff from Star Wars Nine, and I think they did a really good job keeping everything under wraps. I haven't seen any shocking leaks so far. And uh, this trailer opens up a lot of possibilities, and it does what a trailer should do, and that is to make you curious enough to go see this movie. And uh, visually, I have to say, it does everything it needs to do. It, it, it's, uh, uh, it feels very much in line with all the other trailers that we've seen with the previous two movies of this J.J. Abrams uh, trilogy. Well, it's not... Technically, it's not a J.J. Abrams trilogy, but he did the first one and, and this one, the last one. Um, but it also shows us a lot of stuff that we've never seen before, at least not on the movie screen. And that is also what we expect from Star Wars. It needs to feel familiar, and it also should surprise us. And wow, this trailer certainly did that. So check out my reaction video over on my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash fatheroderick. And that's where you also will find a reaction, short reaction video to the trailer for The Mandalorian, which is the new Star Wars-themed TV show that is coming to Disney Plus when it premieres on November 12th. I heard, by the way, that Disney is going to release that series episode per episode. So every week there will be a new episode. Uh, instead of doing the binge, like giving us all the episodes at once so that we can binge watch. And I think... That's good, because it will give us a week to talk about it, to podcast about it, to re-watch it several times per episode. And uh, I think that the that a lot of the successful series, like Stranger Things... Did, no, Stranger Things actually gave us all the episodes at once. But but Game of Thrones, for instance, that's, that's on a weekly basis. So there are... And they're even, like, in the middle of a season, you would have a hiatus. So The Mandalorian will keep us busy for at least a half a year, and that's good, because the more Star Wars, the merrier. And, uh, wow, it's going be, it's, it's to be an exciting wait for Episode 9, and hopefully we will... I, I have to say, if I'm honest, I was almost sad when I watched the trailer, not because it was bad in any way, but because you realize this is the end of, of the Skywalker saga. This is the end of the adventures of... A family and their friends and related family that I grew up with. And that, I think, is going to be the hardest part of, of going to watch this final Star Wars movie. It's, it's going to be the end of something that has colored and brightened my life since I was a child. And hopefully, hopefully the new movies and whatever comes next will be able to pick up the, the pieces of my heart and will bring us something new that can get me excited again. But it's going to be a really hard job following up on, on Episode 9. 
while we are looking forward to all these these positive things and things that entertain us and and uh uh, give, give us a good mood. There is also a lot to worry about in the news these days. One of the major things happening right now uh, that could have catastrophic consequences for our planet and for our future of this part of the galaxy is, of course, the, the forest fires in um, uh, of, the, of the rainforest fires in the Amazon. And uh, Brazil has been heavily criticized, or at least the, the, the government has been heavily criticized for uh, kind of condoning what's going on. Um, and it, it, you feel so powerless because what can you do? I can go there and, and, and extinguish these fires. And, and, but then I read an interesting article um, that actually gave me hope that there is something, even though it's small, that I can do. And for that, you have to go to the root of the cause of those forest fires. Um, of course, not, you know, who, who did it or who set these, these forests on fire, but why uh, this is happening. And as far as I've been able to read and learn, it, it, this is done by people that want to use that, that ground, that uh, the, the, the forest ground, as uh, um, meadows for, for, for cattle. This is to raise cattle and to sell beef. And uh, Brazil is booming. Beef is booming business in Brazil. But most of their beef is exported. And if you look at the list to where this beef is going, most of it, and it's very strange, goes to Japan? Or no, to Hong Kong? And then to China? And I think only 20% goes to Europe? And then, of course, the United States has a lot of beef production itself, so that's quite limited. But the thing is, if there war wasn't a demand, then there wouldn't be the need to for these farmers to burn those forests. And, and so there is something that we can do, and that is to try to change our consumption habits. And that is true for a lot of things. We can influence the way we, we treat the world by the choices that we make when we are buying our groceries. And let's not forget that a lot of the ground beef that you buy um, is usually from a mix of, of sources. And, and the cheaper it is, the more likely it is that the beef that you buy is a composite from, from frozen beef from all over the world. And uh, so make sure you know where, where your meat is coming for, from. Uh, if possible, and if it's within your budget, of course, see if you can go organic or eat less meat. And in the Netherlands, th there is hope that uh, that behaviors are changing. Um, according to uh, um, a recent news article, in the Netherlands, the the meat replacement products, so and anything that 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 you can use instead of meat, it's it's booming right now in the supermarkets and the Dutch are truly changing their, their ways. And there is a very visible, uh, uh, lowering of, of the amount of meat that people, uh, consume on a yearly basis. Now, of course, for this to really work, um, this has to be a worldwide change of behavior. And then of course the question is, is that going to happen? I can't influence that, but it gives me hope that at least I can do my part uh, to to change my dietary habits. Plus, of course, that is only going to be better for my health. It's going to be better for, for the planet. So there is something that we can do, and that is to always think before you buy and think before you eat and ask yourself, can I influence, can my consumption uh, influence the way that we treat uh, this planet that has been given to us, but that has also been given to us by God for future generations. And we cannot afford to destroy it before they can benefit from, from its many resources. And with that, it is time to move over to our next segment. And I've already talked a bit about Star Wars, so I won't rehash that. The fact that I put it on the front part of the podcast is that a lot of people that may have seen my reaction video on YouTube will want to check out my podcast but will not wait for I don't know the science fiction segment to listen to my Star Wars uh, review so instead I'm going to talk about The Lion King because I just watched that I do not like movies they're predictable like 
the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. While I was streaming, the the image froze and people in the chat were like, did he fall asleep? He's not moving anymore. It's a, it's a downside of... Um, of the current setup where I'm using my old iPhone to stream uh, the the camera footage basically to to the computer, um, and that is because I the camera the M50 that I was using for streaming I need that for my TV show so I don't want to kind of disconnect it all the time and set it up but I'm I, I really need a second good camera for for the podcast streaming. I'm working on it, as usual. Let's talk Lion King, because I finally saw the, I hesitate to say live-action version, because it's a totally animated movie. Uh, But let's say the more realistic version of the famous Lion King story. It's been a massive success for Disney, even though the critics were, well, critical, saying that the movie didn't really change much. Uh, It was very, very much a a rehash of of what we'd already seen. Um, And in that way, a little bit more disappointing than some of the other remakes that Disney gave us, where they were a little bit more adventurous in, in, in modifying the original story. I think that for The Lion King, it's probably the best the best decision that they made. Of course, I would have loved to see to have seen um, some more story changes, but on the other hand, The Lion King is so near and dear to my heart that I didn't mind seeing the same story, just in a better version. And uh, the, the, the movie did contain a few new things, and of course, if you watch it like scene by scene, you'll see that almost everything was changed, especially in the way they... They, they, they told the story visually. The animation, of course, is out of this world. Um, and there is even a new song, and there are some other scenes that... As they even took some stuff from the discarded scenes, the, 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 the parts uh, uh, that were left on the cutting room floor when they first made the, 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 the original Lion King movie. Um, and they also took some, uh, some story beats from the musical that a lot of people love, and, and uh, so they wanted to kind of pay homage to the success of that incarnation of the story as well. And I think that the, the end result is, is magnificent. I was It was jaw-droppingly beautiful. And what is fascinating is the way, how they, is the way they filmed this. So John Favreau is at, the, is at the helm of this movie. And he got an impossible mission, and that is to, to take that animated classic and turn it into something that looks as if it's a BBC high-budget documentary. And the way he did that, because he's he's familiar with special effects movies. After all, he did the Jungle Book uh, remake, which um, I think was was a very good starter and gave them confidence enough that they could pull it off with The Lion King as well. But but the the Jungle Book movie can still contained actors, not many and and not often, and most of it was was filmed on on blue or green screen. But at least they had something to film with the camera crew and everything. And so um, even though most of what you see in the Jungle Book was added later on in, in by uh, Industrial Light and Magic um, and some other firms undoubtedly, the uh, there was still kind of an on-the-ground experience. The, the director had something to direct. With this movie, everything was digital. Everything was virtual. And so what they did was to create an entire virtual set. They have this huge building. They set up sensors. And they played um, like a a simple version of the animated uh, story. So they they pre-animated the entire movie. And they they used a a, a very well-known game engine to do that because nowadays the software that that drives these these, uh, uh, video games that we play is extremely potent, extremely powerful. But of course, it's not a fully rendered version. And then they used virtual uh, reality goggles to... And I think now my camera has crashed. This is just going from... From bad to worse. <laughs> I, th- I thought people would be watching this, but now they're watching the, the, the screen of my... You know what? Hold on. I'm going to fix this. Uh, I, shouldn't be, I shouldn't be using this camera. And maybe I shouldn't be using this phone anymore. So let's go to Kinoni. And there is it back. 
Yeah, I guess it's back. I'll just leave it on Wi-Fi, put it here on my desk in case I need to intervene again. But, man, this is really annoying. Anyway. Kind of works. The image is really bad. Oh, and it, it starts to crash, and it's uh, really ugly, all this tech. I, I have a, a horror story, a tech, tech horror story at the end of this show, so stay tuned. Anyway. I assume that John Favreau had has had his issues also while trying to film the Lion King. But so what they did was they used actual a, an actual camera crew, uh, the, all the people that normally would be involved in filming real life actors or animals, and they filmed the scenes using virtual cameras, but while they were inside that animated story. And so that, that uh, and, and that, for instance, when they do like an overhead shot, a helicopter shot, they actually um, uh, used a drone, a drone pilot to fly inside that virtual space. And it's just incredible how much that added to the realism. So according to John Favreau, oh boy, oh boy, now my, my broadcast ends, like everything Everything breaks down here. Um, I'm trying to go live again, and I, you know what? I think my computer actually can't handle this, and it's probably because um, I have Adobe open, like Premiere. <laughs> yeah, that must be it. I've got Adobe and Photoshop open, and this is an old Mac, so it just can't cope. Uh, that's probably why it's causing so many problems. I'm just... Too demanding on my hardware. Yeah, and Photoshop is open as well. Because, of course, I always need to create the thumbnails for the videos. Those are very important for the, the views and for the algorithm. And that is so probably the memory was completely overloaded. And then I've got my show notes open. Oh, yeah, I can tell my computer is extremely sh slow right now. And uh, there we go. Now that I quit the Adobe programs, I think the video feed is a little bit more responsive again. Hopefully the audio wasn't too uh, too terrible while this happened. So they uh, the fact that they used real camera crews and used all the conventional techniques as if they were filming in the real world, that is why this movie works so well and why there are so few moments where you're taking out because you can tell that it's fake. You can tell why it's fake because it's almost too perfect. Africa looks too beautiful. They could set the, the sun to golden hour for, and for days. Um, golden hour is when the sun just sets and it's, it starts to set and it gets this beautiful golden color. It's very, very difficult to shoot at golden hour because it, it's over in 10 minutes. And so oftentimes when they have a scene that should take place in golden hour, um, it takes them several days to film it. Um, but, but because everything was happening in the virtual space, they, they saved about, according to John Favreau, it, they saved a year in production time. So, and, and then he said something, and that, that made me really excited. He said, we've been using exactly the same technology while filming The Mandalorian. And because, of course, uh, John Favreau is also heading that production. But to know that they've been using this stunning technology to film virtual sets for The Mandalorian makes me hope that... I, I wasn't surprised when watching the trailer for The Mandalorian that it looked like a movie, because they've been using movie techniques all the time to, uh, to, to shoot this. And it may also kind of bring live action, at least, you know, Star Wars live action, to a, a level that few other series could, could rival. If you want to hear more about the, um, the technology behind this, um, I invite you to listen to the episode um, of the Empire podcast, which is a, a British film podcast. I'm trying to look up which episode this is. They did um, a long interview with Favreau. At least that's what I thought. But maybe this was on another podcast. Hold on, let me let me go check this. Uh, this could have also been on a relatively new podcast that I've discovered, which is called Behind the Screen. That must be it. Is Behind the Screen? 
Um, it's from the Hollywood Reporter, and the it's the episode show archived episodes. The episode from July nineteen, and it's fascinating. It's a little bit technical, but John Favreau is very. A uh, cool guy to listen to. He always has his stories. He seems so relaxed. I don't know how he pulls it off. I get stressed of while recording a podcast with failing technology. And this guy is, is uh, directing like the biggest box office successes in the world. And he doesn't break a sweat. He is just like enjoying the experience. Or at least it seems like he is. So, wow. Um I also, after having seen the movie version or the real life version... I went back and rewatched the animated classic, and even though I still love the songs, I actually love the music better from the original than in the new version. Most of it has to do with unnecessary embellishments from the singers. This is a, a thing I've, I've I've been complaining about this on my during my live YouTube streams while building the Millennium Falcon. In case you have you're unaware of that almost every evening, I um, I spend about an hour to an hour and a half building Lego sets. And I'm currently working on one of the most challenging Lego sets I've ever built. Technically, definitely the most challenging one. Um, and, and that's the Millennium Falcon, the collector's edition. It's a massive ship, 19 centimeters uh, in length, I think. And while I'm building, I chat and I talk about stuff. So uh, I made the comment that I, th I felt that uh, the singing nowadays, and this is a trend in, in pop music in general is that these singers are showing off. Instead of, of introducing us to a melody, immediately in the first uh, uh, part of the song, they start to do variations. And that's fine, and there is an old tradition, even in opera, to do that. But it would always happen once the song itself is established, once the melody is there, towards the end, that's where these singers would go, you know, all overboard in trying to to, to bring the audience to great new heights, and then, of course, they would get standing ovations and everything. Here it's as if there is no anticipation anymore. It's like, okay, I'm singing this song, I wanted to give you a new take, and so I'm going to do all these embellishments and showing off how well I can sing right from the get-go. And it breaks the song very often, and it makes it less singable. You can't sing along anymore uh, in some cases. And it's... It's a bit, if, to me, it's a form of vanity. It's like, here, it's not about the song anymore. It's about me as a performer. And, um, yeah, not all the songs suffered from that, but a number of them did. Uh, also, the young, the, the boy who sings, uh, who voices the young Simba, uh, does that a lot. It, whereas the original singer, I think, was much, much more restrained and, and it, better for the, for the musical in general. Um, so I rewatched the original, and what struck me is how much that movie has aged. I remember seeing it in, in the theaters and thinking, whoa, this is the most groundbreaking animation that I've ever seen. And now I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, this looks old-fashioned and empty, especially empty. A lot of the the, the scenes of the, uh, the, the, where you see the white plains and everything, I remember that as being completely populated by thousands of animals at once. And you only see like five or six. And it's a lot of it feels very almost primitive. Uh, they did a, a lot of groundbreaking stuff back in the days, but this movie is old. And, and, and when you compare it to even hand drawn animation today, um, it, it didn't age well. And I still respect what they did, and I listen to the director's commentary, and it's, it makes you appreciate what they, what they did. But we're, we're spoiled, I guess, with modern-day animation. So in that respect, this new Lion King is far superior when it comes to animation, but also even just, just cinematography. It, it, does, it's, it feels so modern, and it does everything right. And, well, I was just blown away. And if that is the beginning of, you know, more productions like this, bring it on. If Star Wars can use this technology, bring it on. I also really appreciated the story again. It's a beautiful story, not just about a son losing his father and betrayal and everything and power and abuse of power, but there is also a message that was already in the original that has to do with um, uh, 
the attitude of like if you have power, like a Lion King has, you have to also have moderation, and you can't use it for yourself. You have to use it to serve your uh, the rest of creation, all the other animals, and you have to also. Uh, you're, you're, even though you, you, it seems as if you're on top of the food chain, you're not. You're at the bottom of the food chain. You depend on creation giving you, giving you things to eat. And if you, uh, if you overconsume, then it's going to break the the circle of life. That is, to me, the one of the most important and still most relevant messages of this movie. And if you look at what's happening in Brazil right now, this movie warns against it using up all the resources, not thinking about the future, not thinking about other countries, but it's only for your personal gain. And we are in this scenario, the hyenas, that just can't stop eating. And we don't think about the consequences of our behavior either. And so this delicate circle of life, this balance, is something that is very much a part of of the concerns of the Catholic Church as well and of this Pope. And it should be our concern of all of us, and and we have to be responsible. If not, well, the thing, same thing is going to happen to the world as what is happening in the story of the Lion King. This is also a biblical story and uh, has a lot of story elements from the the great Bible stories, like Noah's story. Um, the, like the, the whole introduction scene shows you almost like all these animals going in this case to going to the rock, uh, to Pride Rock. But it's almost an identical scene that we've seen in so many depictions of the story of Noah, where all these animals go flock together to the th- this other symbol of salvation and, and God's presence in the world, which is the ark that Noah built. And, and uh, so uh, you have that. There's also definitely Moses in this, of course, uh, uh, and, and almost any prophet story, because Simba is a reluctant king. He's a reluctant savior. He doesn't want to. You know, Hakuna Matata, I don't care, as long as I have fun. And it's gradually that he starts to realize that he has no choice. He is called to to take on this leadership and to protect the weak. And first grudgingly and afterwards wholeheartedly, he, he takes on that role, just like Moses. At first, Moses too is raised elsewhere. And it's only when he's confronted with the misery of his people that he takes responsibility and, and becomes this leader that, that is a, almost a, a promise of later on Jesus who will do the same. And of course also Abraham, you know, who leaves his homestead and follows God's will. Uh, there are a lot of these stories that are woven into the fabric of this Lion King story. And, I, and that's not just because I'm a priest and I'm projecting that on the movie, while I was listening to the director's commentary of the original animated classic, that's what the director said. The, the Lion King started off as uh, an attempt to do a, a, just a cool Africa kind of quasi-documentary. And it's because, of, thanks to these biblical stories, that the, the, sto- the story of the, of the Lion King started to get depth and a meaning beyond just a tale, a fairy tale taking place in Africa. So with that in mind, it's it's cool to kind of rewatch The Lion King and appreciate what they did. I also started watching another uh, animated classic, at least to uh, many geeks, and that is Avatar The Last Airbender. I've been trying to watch this series many times. Uh, I mentioned that... Uh, um, Prime Video had uh, the entire series on their um, channel and then this decided to get rid of the first season, uh, which I hadn't finished yet. Um, plus, they had the DVD version, a very, very bad um, scan of the original and it looked kind of hazy and, and, and full of artifacts. Audio was not too good. So I bit the bullet and bought the Blu-ray, Blu-ray set and it is stunning. It is razor sharp not everything that like the extras are still in uh, in sd so in in let's say dvd resolution and the, on a big television set that looks really terrible but the, the 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 animation uh the actual episodes are fantastic they look so clean and so beautiful and uh I, i'm not sure if it's the sound or just watching this on the big screen 
but it's much easier to follow the story. And I'm, I'm really into the first season right now. And I'm loving it. This is an amazing story. And from what I've read, the, the, the first season, that's only the beginning. It's getting super epic. And I think that they're actually rebooting the, the last airbender. And, and they did this horrible mo- movie, which wasn't good at all. But there's going to be a reboot of, the, of a television series as well. So I hope that they will, they'll be able to pull it off and, uh, and make us appreciate it just as much as we do the original. And with that, it is time for a visit to the Peculiar Bunch. <laughs> Catholics rock! Here at the Peculiar Bunch, we try to explain this strange, mysterious world of Catholics and priests and whatnot. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? <laughs> no light bulbs. Maybe meat replacements. I think uh, our current folk would like that. But uh, today I've got a question that was asked to me during my Lego sessions. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster Video. Now a lot of my YouTube followers and, and podcast listeners know that I am a a fan of movies and TV shows, and I always talk about new stuff that I watch. But I also often get these questions, are you allowed to watch that? So yesterday someone asked, uh, while I was building the Falcon, are priests allowed to watch horror movies with gore and with uh, demonic things in it and spiritism and whatnot? Are you allowed to watch that? And my answer is always the same. Yes, I can. I can watch that. And my bishop couldn't care less <laughs> if I were watching horror movies or not. Maybe some of my followers would would not appreciate that. And I've had my share of criticism over the past 15 years, since I've been podcasting since forever, um, of people criticizing me for um, blaming me for being a bad priest or leading people to their damnation because I was talking about... Harry Potter or uh, just fantasy, science fiction even for some people is is too much. And the rationale is priests should watch pious movies, uplifting movies that, that, that um, benefit the soul and are full of positive messages. I hate those movies. <laughs> I really can't stand those movies with a message where it's all about educating our souls. And why do I hate it? Not because I'm evil, but because it doesn't reflect our real reality. It does not reflect reality. Even the greatest saints had their moments of darkness, their doubts, their struggles with the devil, their fights, their their, uh, inconsistencies, their temptations, maybe even their betrayals. Look at the gospel. Look at the, the apostles. All of them fall. All of them abandon Jesus. And that is part of the story. It's part of the Bible. We, we tend to, to um, forget about the drama that is happening in almost any Bible story. But it's happening and it's described because it teaches us a lesson. It is in there because that is also our life. We also struggle with all these difficult moments. And, and pretending that we're all saintly and pious always a sign of something being totally wrong actually under the surface it's not realistic i mean i'm as a priest i hear confessions i know what 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 people have to go through and the the struggles that they face and the fights they have to fight and i've learned to completely ignore my my first impressions uh the the sometimes you will meet people and I would admire them. I was like, oh, it's such a saintly person. And then when we have a conversation, they, they, uh, especially in confession, I learn that these people are just like me and they too have their struggles. And um, th- you, you can't judge uh, a, a book by its cover. And it's not even... <sighs> It's not even interesting. I mean, what is interesting is how these people cope with what the, the stuff that, 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 that is derailing them and how faith becomes stronger when it is tested. 
And so the, the stories that I want to see are stories that are about this battle between good and evil and, and the struggles that people face. And even stories about betrayal and, and, and stories where the heroes or the protagonists are making the wrong choices, even those can make you reflect upon your own choices. And if you feel like, I would never do that, ask yourself, well, but what if you were in that situation and you were not as fortunate as you are? I mean, it, 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 it. stories, I think the best stories are stories where everything goes wrong. And, and that's, if, if a fairy tale would start with, once upon a time, there was a princess and a prince, and they lived long and forever happy. The end. <laughs> the, the, who, would, who would read a story like that? No, it's always like, once upon a time, there was a prince and a dragon, and the dragon destroyed the prince's castle, and then the princess arrived on a horse and slayed the dragon and saved the prince, or the other way around, <laughs> depending on which Disney movie you watch. But anyway, you get my point. In the story, things always go wrong. And there's always this moment where it feels like the, the, the good guys are winning. And then it's almost a, a, a staple ingredient. You think that now the, the good guys are going to be there. It's all good, happy ending. And then it, it, it falls apart even, even worse. Let's go back to Star Wars. What was the biggest criticism of Star Wars fans on The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi? A lot of that criticism was geared towards Rey. Why? Because Rey seemed to be this all-good person, such a pure soul, so attuned to the Force, such a natural, always choosing the right side. And even, even when Luke Skywalker, who used to be that hero of all of us, even if he betrays his vocation and, and reacts out of spite and... and just for a moment is tempted to kill Kylo. Even then, Rey is teaching Luke Skywalker a lesson. And we're all like, that is so unrealistic. That, that, that is not, that's not how the Force works. When is Rey going to be tested? When is she going to face adversity? And of course, yeah, she has her moment where she, she is longing to, to, to know about her parents, just like Harry Potter was looking in the mirror of Erised and just couldn't take his eyes away of his father and mother, even though he knew that he was just watching wish fulfillment and that would take him away from his real choices that he had to make in life. But, but then, then there's Dumbledore that tells him, you know, this is a dangerous mirror. Don't look in it for too long because you will get you'll you'll turn crazy. You have to make choices in for the future of you and for your friends. And that's what Harry Potter eventually does. And with Ray, we haven't seen that. She's 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 had this disappointing discovery about the, the, the truth of her parents, at least in Kylo Ren's version. But we haven't seen her being tested, other than physically tested, by Kylo and in lightsaber jewels. And, and, but what about the dark side? And that's where this trailer comes in and kind of awakens our worst nightmares. And Ray, the dark side? No way! And I was like, Duh. if you look at my reaction, I'm literally yelling... No, because I don't want that to happen to someone that is a hero. But I'm also yelling no because I'm like, here we go again. Why can't anyone be good in this world? Why is evil always winning or seems to win? And it's a frustration that I have in my own life as well. Why, if I try to be good, I, I still... I'm unable to always make the right choices. And I too hurt people when I'm egotistic and I and and, and nothing in the in my priestly ordination has has protected me against that. Because that's not that's not how ordination works. <laughs> that's not how baptism works. It's all up to you to fight the fight. And it's also a fight with within yourself. And so this trailer makes me believe that. We finally will get to see Ray being tested like we all are, and that will make her character way more relatable. Now, of course, I still hope that that's not the final 
the final choice that she makes. But but we'll we'll see. I have a I have a good feeling about this because it's Star Wars. There are some laws of storytelling and some moral laws that are underpinning this this saga. But the trailer definitely does a great job in shocking us and waking us up. And it's like, oh, okay, so Ray gets her share of darkness and that she has to somehow cope with. And maybe Ray is not the savior of the story. Maybe someone else is. <laughs> anyway, I've got so many things to say about that, but I can't because I don't want to go into spoilers. And even, even theories could be spoilers. So anyway, um, I'm still um, talking about the peculiar bunch of so horror movies. Um, I, uh, I I like to watch s- movies about anything. They don't have to be religious movies about the life of saints. Uh, I, I usually can't watch those because they're so boring. But I uh, for horror movies, I have a, a different reason why I don't like to watch them, and that's because I am scared of horror movie horror movies. I I can't watch them. I I I'm I'm just very I don't know sensitive to that sort of stuff. I don't like gore. I don't like shock effects. I hate shock effects. I mean, I've I've, I've uh, some movies that were not even horror movies, but, but let's say for instance, um, Stranger Things, which has a few horror aspects to the story. When it gets too tense, I usually stop the video and I I need another night of sleep. And then I can only watch the, what happens next uh, the, the following day when I'm full of energy. And it's just because I don't like those jump scares. I just don't like to be scared. And I'm usually not very scared, but these movies can sometimes really disrupt my sleep. So that's why I don't like to watch horror movies. I know that pe- some people love horror. I can't stand it. Just like very gritty war movies and stuff with excessive violence is something that I, I don't enjoy watching. Um, so a bit of grittiness is fine, but not too much, not over the top. And, and then, of course, there is an entire category of movies that I won't watch and that my, uh, my, my uh, let's say, my condition as a priest would also prevent me from watching anything that is just morally wrong and where the, where the movie is made for uh, obvious, uh, uh, how would you say, what's the opposite of moral? Uh, unmoral <laughs> immoral for immoral purposes uh, that of course I wouldn't watch that so the intent of the movie must be to or at least in my case must be to tell a story about good and evil but it also it should be made with the right intentions to tell a good story and and there is of course a genre of movies and TV shows and other media content that is just made to make money, to scandalize, to provoke, to so yeah, there are there's a lot of stuff that I n- don't watch, and even even sometimes with the Game of Thrones, especially in the first few seasons, there were moments where I was like, I'm not gonna watch this anymore. This is going way too far, and um, the series still has is a bit polarizing for me. I I watch it because. It's so well done, and the storytelling is riveting, and it's 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 epic, and but and it's fantasy. But there are also so many things in that story that I really profoundly dislike. That is why I'm so excited about the new Lord of the Rings series on Amazon. If that's going to be the next uh, Lord of Th- uh, the next uh, Game of Thrones, bring it on because I think that Tolkien is is a much better foundation i think for good stories and you will see there's a lot going wrong just like frodo he's tempted by the ring and everything but it's still it's still the narrator is has a good heart and means well with us as the readers and that's for me something that you know plays a role isn't is important to me and with that well we've already naturally progressed to the world of books When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? So, reading. I have been reading a new book, actually listening to an audiobook, by, written by none other than Kate Mulgrew, 
the actress who is known to me as a, as a Trekkie, uh, most for her role as Catherine Janeway in Voyager, coffee addict and uh, always yelling, <laughs> but still a good captain. Uh, but she also plays Galena Reznikov, also called Red in Orange is the New Black. A very versatile actress, also a Catholic actress, and someone who's always been very open about her Catholic upbringing. From, she's from an Irish family, grown up uh, in, in uh, the United States, and, f- and faith is important to her. And so um, I was eager to read her second autobiography. Her first one talks about her younger years, and it's called Born with Teeth. But this one is just out and is called How to Forget, A Daughter's Memoir. Uh, This is a a biography that she wrote about the time that she went back to her parents to take care of them in their final phase of their lives. Uh, Something that, of course, resonates with me because of the situation of my father, who is in the final phase of his life. Doesn't mean that he will die anytime soon, but uh, he's not getting any better. And he knows it and he says it. And my mother is also 78 years old, so... Both are uh, um, advanced in age and have their, their, their uh, share of, of challenges. So uh, Kate Mulgrew gets the, the news that her father has a very aggressive form of cancer and he dies, I think, two weeks after she arrives. And then her mother uh, is suffering from Alzheimer's. And it is a progressive disease. And for years, I think, for several years, she takes care of her mother. And she's always been very close with her mother. She was the oldest daughter and was kind of also a confidant of her mother. And and actually, her mother told her things that you probably shouldn't tell your kids. Um, And so, from that perspective of a daughter who is, in a certain way, at least on a moral level, has made better choices than her own mother, um, she tells that story of how her mom is gradually deteriorating but it's not a depressing story what 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 really shines through and that's what makes this book so special is the love that 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 is that you can feel the love of a daughter for her parents but also the love that the parents gave to her their children despite all the challenges and all their mistakes and that is it that's a story that is yeah, it makes me feel good um Although there are there are many things in this story, it's sometimes hard to believe that it's an autobiography because so much happens and so much terrible things happen. Uh, I'll, I'll spoil one little thing. Um, Kate Mulgrew, being from this Catholic family, learns at the age of twelve that her mother has an affair with the local priest, and is not planning on giving that up, and hides it for the father, and so. Uh, Kate and and her mother share this secret that is way too big for a child, a 12-year-old child to carry. And it's only much later when a a daughter of hers uh, gets cancer and and I think dies, that's when her mother comes to her senses and stops a relationship. And and so this book is full of uh, stories where uh, Kate uh, Mulgrew discovers that even though she's from a Catholic family and faith and church had a very important role in their lives that didn't inoculate her parents against sinning and against making really bad choices and and also didn't protect her against the the dark sides of of the religion that she was brought up with you see this is this is the kind of story that i appreciate because it resembles new real life and in this case it is reality it's real life and the overall message i haven't finished the book yet but I think that that the overall message of the book tries to be that despite our flaws, despite our troubles and our sins, love is stronger than that. And and so I recommend it already on the basis of what I've read read so far. Um, The book is called How to Forget a Daughter's Memoir, written by Kate Mulgrew. Time for some science fiction? Yeah, science fiction time. Actually... Do I have something to talk about? Yes, we need to talk a little bit more about D23, the expo in Anaheim. I wish I lived in that area. (laughs) Because, of course, there was not only the trailer for The Rise of Skywalker or The Mandalorian, but there was one more announcement that took me by surprise and made me super excited for the future of Star Wars. I see. 
aliens. Little aliens from outer space. And how are things in outer Plutonia? How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? Go to shape, I'm in. You can donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on! We need ya! Because lo and behold, enters the stage uh, a very, very, very popular Jedi. Obi-Wan Kenobi himself, Mr. Ewan McGregor. Hello there. <laughs> and he announces that he's going to be back for a series about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that is the best news for, at least for Disney+. Plus. I think that is more, uh, more exciting than The Mandalorian, also more exciting than the Rogue One prequel that they're filming, even though... The, 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 the stories about that series are also very good. I'm really, really enjoying that they're bringing back some of those actors and some of the vibe of Rogue One. But but Obi-Wan Kenobi, that beats everything. And, and Ewan McGregor is still so popular. He was, for many people, the actor that redeemed the prequels. And even though there are many cringe-worthy uh, scenes and, and, and lots of cringe-worthy dialogue and acting... But not Ewan McGregor. His Obi-Wan Kenobi was really, really good. And so he's back, and we will get to see more of the story of Obi-Wan Kenobi between the end of... Uh, um, I think this is going to be after Episode 3 and before A New Hope. So there are a lot of things to fill in there and of course in the expanded universe there were already a lot of stories about this obi-wan this maturing obi-wan kenobi and maybe they will still take some some cues from those stories they've done that before with uh, let's say admiral thrawn and stuff like that but uh, but they also have a blank canvas to tell new stories and so and 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 now that ewan mcgregor is involved you you can bet that they will put everything they have into that new production and and here's something else that I hope will happen. You know that I was a huge fan of Solo, the movie. I, I think that that movie flopped for the wrong reasons because it was a really good story. I had my, my certain certain points of criticism, but overall, I loved what they did. And of course, the movie ends with a, with a cliffhanger. Darth Maul is alive. He's back. And here's what I hope. That that promise of more... Darth Maul, more of this story will be fulfilled in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. We need to see what happens next. And I'm even hoping that they will bring back Alden Ehrenreich and... Um, uh, uh, oh, her name escapes me. Anyway, you know who I mean. But some of the actors of, of Solo. Maybe not for the entire season because then it would be very expensive. But, but just like the Rebels did. Uh, at the end of a, of of a uh, a season, bring a, like a cameo or a surprise appearance of one of those stars. I think somehow, and I don't know how because, of course, obviously Obi Wan Kenobi doesn't really know Han Solo, or is he just is that just a certain point of view? Maybe he did know Han Solo, and that's how he found him in Mos Eisley. We don't know for sure that Obi-Wan Kenobi is telling the truth to Luke or to us. So maybe they do have a common backstory. Although I don't think so. Because Han's, Han is very negative about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Where, where did you dig up this old fossil? So he seems to... But maybe he doesn't recognize Obi-Wan. That's possible. Although, I don't know. Anyway. But I want to see more of Han Solo as well. Or maybe this series will will whet our appetite and will, uh, I don't know, there will be a groundswell and a kind of re-appreciation for Solo and, and we will get to see Solo too because I think, I think we need to see that. How did I get... Oh, yeah, we're still doing the science fiction segment. But before I wrap up we the show... We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? plug it in it's going to say hey i see you plugged in a new device and it's going to load in the appropriate drivers you'll notice that this scanner built whoa well all your technology stuff it just ends in disaster but there is one more thing all this technology stuff ends in disaster yeah you kind of know that when you're using computers it's not the question is not if something will fail, a hard drive or a system or a motherboard, but when. 
And that when happened to me last Friday when I came back from a day of filming and I was tired and I I wanted to uh, just sit and and browse a little bit and watch some YouTube videos, catch up on some of my favorite vloggers. And I'm greeted with the blue screen of death. And this is the Windows 10 version. So it, it's... Ah, oh, it's false hope what they give you. So they show you this, like something went wrong. And uh, here's what you can do. You can click on this and then we'll try to fix that. Or you can deinstall the latest quality update of Windows. And then, you know, things may be all right. Or you can click this button. They give you like six or seven choices. And then every time you click on a button like that, it's like, oh, we're sorry, since something is still wrong, this didn't work, try this. And then you try that, and, and you get your hopes up. And then it's like, oh, sorry, no, it doesn't work, it's still broken. And then I end up with the only other option, and that is to do a complete reinstall of Windows 10. Fortunately, it let me save my, my documents folder and some of my files. Like I have, for instance, uh, Steam and my games are installed on another hard drive on a, a different partition. So all that was still in place. But it's just incredible that you think you're safe and you think that Windows is much better than its predecessors because it won't break. And this was not a hardware failure. This was the software itself. This was the system itself that went, went kaput. And I know that because now that I've reinstalled it, everything works flawlessly. And you know what? It wasn't that bad in the end because uh, the system that is on my home PC has been on it since I built that computer. And, and it's it's five years old or something like that. So it's a pretty old, old computer. Um, fortunately, at the time, I chose an i7 uh, processor. So it's, it's still speedy enough. I've got a new graphics card, a 1060, that is quite good. And you don't need much processing power for games. The graphics card is much more important. So I was really happy with the computer and it can still last for a few more years i think but um uh the the um the the system was kind of polluted because i've installed drivers and deinstalled and reinstalled programs and so all that of course is never good for for the system so I now have a, another a clean install of the of the operating system of Windows Windows 10, and then I have to just reinstall the apps that I use the most. And the first thing, of course, that you that I install is a browser, a decent browser, and and I can go to the cloud and pick up all my favorites and stuff like that. So uh, I'm very grateful that most of my stuff is now in the cloud somewhere. It's online. It's uh, you know my YouTube channel. Uh, I used to use Dropbox, but I completely stepped away from it because they were so greedy and try to extort money from 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 uh, from their free users um but their proposition was terrible so I, I moved over to google drive and that that works fine for now i have uh lots of stuff uh like my photos are in google photos so there are a lot of external things and, and then i had of also of course the, the 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 luck of having stored a lot of of my gaming stuff uh, on on other hard drives, uh, SSDs that I built in. So that saves me a lot of download time. But hey, I'm on a fiber connection, so even re-downloading stuff doesn't take much time. Um, and, and then you kind of also re-evaluate which programs you use on a, on, a, on a regular basis. I had a lot of stuff installed that I never launched, and so maybe this is a, a blessing in disguise. But it still freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> seeing a blue screen of death and 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 then always the same you post that on on facebook and i was genuinely asking for advice because i didn't know i had, did, have never experienced this in windows 10 and you always get the same people you may be one of them it says oh here's the solution install linux dude i was not asking for that i'm asking for a, a, a way to fix windows 10 i have no intention to install linux even though that may be a good operating system but that's not an answer it's not i, I don't think that's very charitable or buy a mac first of all i have been working with macs since i was in seminary i probably worked with with macs before you were even born and Macs also break down and also I've had my share of broken motherboards and software crashing and screens giving up and actually with 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 Apple the price tag of for repairs was two three four times as high as in any PC that I've ever owned so yeah 
don't do that when someone asks for advice. Well, hey, just buy a Mac. It's like someone struggling with health and uh, and then saying, um, I'm not sure if this is a good analogy, actually. <laughs> Go get yourself a personal trainer. Um, well, maybe I am not able to afford that. Maybe that doesn't work for me. Or, or someone who is overweight and is trying, is struggling to lose weight and say, well, just stop eating. Don't do that. <laughs> okay, that was my little rant at the end of the show. It's time to wrap things up. I've been talking for an hour. Even though the people in, that are watching me online uh, probably didn't see the entire hour because the, the hardware was breaking down here. The camera didn't function. So if you're watching this after the fact on uh, YouTube and you wonder what the real version of the show is, go over to tridio.com and subscribe to the podcast. See you next week.